What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can find all your concert reviews, news, and other things. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? Dude, I'm doing great. I got my space dust here. I really really don't have a lot to complain about. You never have anything to complain about when you're drinking those space dusts. Oh, man. Everything just gets kind of hoppy and crazy. It's a lot of fun. Speaking of hoppy and crazy, we have uh, Mr. Ryan Wombacker, basis for Bleeding Through and Light the Torch, on as our guest. We had a lot of fun talking with him. Uh, the conversation uh, kind of gears really just, uh, you know, we found a good balance, I thought, of, uh, you know, talking about both bands and kind of talking about the, you know, almost 20-year career that uh, Ryan has had between, you know, Bleeding Through and Light the Torch and just how different uh, the the music business and the scene uh, has become over that time. Uh, even talking about dial-up internet. Yeah, I mean, there were some definite get-off-my-lawn moments <laughs> uh, in this chat, and I, you know, support that 100% because, like, my car's parked outside on the street, and there's a bunch of teenagers out hanging out, and I keep looking out the window like, what are those whippersnappers up to? You know, so, like, you know, I feel like that chat was very, uh, very indicative of, of where we're at, or at least where I'm at. And, uh, yeah, I thought it, man, I thought it was such a great chat. I, I love being able to connect with people to get it as far as, like, dude, the very first song I ever heard from your band was, like, a one-minute clip of a song on mp3.com. <laughs> and the only reason it's a one-minute clip is because my mom had to use the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, kind of in talking to some of these bands, you know, I would say like bleeding through is a bigger band and, you know, like the torch obviously is having some really good, uh, success with their single on octane and so forth right now. So, I mean, I think, you know, both bands are bands that when you see the name, you should know who they are. If you're into, uh, kind of the metal core metal scene, uh, over the last 20 years. But, you know, I don't think Wombie is someone that really, you know, gets to do a lot of interviews. And I, I think it's it's always kind of funny in doing these. I like to kind of grab some of the ancillary people in the bands because I feel like because you don't hear from them hardly ever, their stories are more entertaining because, like, you know, you could have someone like Brandon from Bleeding Through on, but it's like how many interviews have you seen Brandon do over the last, you know, 15 years of, of that band? Or Howard Jones, how many interviews have you seen Howard Jones do at this point? Like some at some point the stories kind of get a little rehashed and and so forth. So it's it's kind of fun to to talk to some of these people that maybe you don't know much about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The only regret I have from that interview is I didn't ask the uh, question I wanted to ask. What does Howard Jones smell like? And What's... I'm just gonna imagine it smells. He. I, I'm just gonna imagine he smells like, you know, fresh coffee. You think just me. you think he smells like fresh coffee? Fresh coffee. Like, I don't mean, like, you go into a gas station and just pot of coffee and it's been sitting there for, like, you know, four hours because it's 11 a.m. and you just woke up. I mean, like, fresh, like, 6 a.m. coffee with, like, a little bit of, like, you know, peppermint in there. That, that's what I think. Hmm. See, I, I feel like... I would go more down the route of like outdoorsy because, like Wombie, he likes fishing and hiking and so forth. So I think you're going to get a lot of like, like maybe some pine or birch, some you know. So you think you think Howard Jones smells like the forest yeah. right after a rain? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. 
I think I, I think Howard Jones is the original Old Spice Man. Actually, I'm glad that I'm glad that we've uh, you know gone through that. I wanted to make it creepy. Yep. And I've now made it creepy, so it's perfect. Yeah. Really. Well, I, but yeah, I could see Howard Jones being like, you know, look at your man. Now look at me. Now look back at your man. Now look, I am your look man. Look at your man. Now look at me. Yeah, like, it's perfect, honestly. Well, I can't think of a, a more perfect segue to uh, get to our long conversation with Ryan Wambacher other than this, uh, creepy or not. So uh, without further ado, here's our conversation with Ryan Wambacher. So we have the pleasure this uh, early evening of talking to Mr. Ryan Wombi Wombacker of Bleeding Through and Light the Torch. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Just hanging out. <laughs> so, it's been a long day, but you know what? It's good. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of in this interesting uh, period of 2019 where Bleeding Through is getting ready to play, I think it's at least a show, uh, on the 25th anniversary tour with Hate Breed, and Light mm-hmm. the Torch is, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. We are, we're getting offers, <clears throat> things are going through, but we're kind of selective of what we of what we take, and it's a, a real, like, a, I don't know what the word would be, just like a a wary approach you know it's kind of our baby we went through so much bullshit so we're kind of making sure that the steps we take are real careful i guess that's kind of an interesting starting point you know with bleeding through you know obviously you guys were on the self-imposed hiatus for a little bit and then obviously Mm -hmm. dropped a real motherfucker of a record uh on us last year and with like the torch you know there was obviously a lot of uh, turmoil <laughs> uh, between the whole devil you know thing. So, I mean, I've not really, I mean, because when I talked to Mike uh, earlier last year, you know, obviously he did, he wasn't in Devil You Know, but mm-hmm. what is it like, you know, kind of being a new band or in a new band where you're trying to build all this momentum and you're trying to get this thing going, which is hard enough just being a new band, and then just to kind of see mm-hmm. it sort of stall or get derailed because of the stuff that you were going through, does it kind of I don't really know how I want to ask this. Is it sort of hard to feel like you gotta restart all over again, or did it feel like you kind of picked up where you left off? Oh, absolutely. It was uh it was pretty disheartening. Uh <clears throat> you know, even even with the guys that are in the band and, and the names and the weight that we all kind of carry with everyone having fifteen plus years in their bands and their bands doing fairly well, Howard's band doing really well. Um, and it doesn't, it just goes to show you, it does not matter who you are when you start a new band, you borderline have to start from the beginning. Granted, our first tour was with Black Label Society and down, but you know, it was still after that, there wasn't a whole lot and we still had to work our asses off to get what we got. And then changing the name is basically starting over uh, again. And you have to take the tours that are offered and do the 
do the head, you know, there we get offered to do a headliner show to fill in a, a day off on a tour. And, you know, we're not a headlining band yet. We're all aware of that. But when you're on the road and you have to fill in a gap, you fill in a gap. It doesn't matter. We still have a lot of fun doing it. But, you know, there were shows that were pretty damn empty and, you know, playing for Bleeding Through, playing just about every show we play now sells out. And, you know, towards the end of our career, when we took the hiatus, we were selling out a lot of shows and, and then going into this thinking that, you know, you think you'd think going into it, that it would be like fish in a barrel. There's going to people show up, but it's not the case. It's very difficult in the touring world circuit and just music in general is so different than when I first started touring over 15 years ago. It's, it's pretty crazy. I, I do not wish it on a these new bands. I I don't even. I, it's it's pure youth that keeps you going. I'd say <laughs> trying to get your band. It's crazy, man. Well, yeah. If you can imagine trying to start a band in 2019 with you know you you can't even throw out like, oh well, I'm also in this band or you know or have yeah have some sort of notable uh, leg to stand on. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely something you've got. I mean, so like that's definitely a huge. Um, I, I guess one you kind of already answered it, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Okay. Is you know, like as far as day to day day to day goes, um, you know, what is it like balancing two bands? But it sounds like um, we've got you know, bleeding through is kind of um, kind of the bigger you know, kind of kind of the main priority i guess and then you've got light the torch that's trying to also become a main priority you know is there any fear mm-hmm. there you know in like what happens if it if it all, does all work out really well and suddenly i don't have time to do all of it yeah and that's that's been the struggle um i actually when light the torch was on tour in october with trivium uh, that was the first bleeding through show that I ever missed uh, in all the years that I played with that band. Uh, we had a festival booked in Texas, and you know I get a you get a phone call and text, you know either it be group text or a text from Brandon or you know hey you're going to be around for these shows and all I can really say is that I mean I want to I want to play them all obviously I like to play. I want to do as much as I can bleeding through, you know, it was a huge part of my life and still is. Um, and I'm grateful for it, but it's like the torch now that is my priority. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, there's just getting wind in the sales and we put out a record that did well. So now it's just getting on the road as much as we can. And you can't become a bigger band until you get those, tours under your belt it doesn't matter who you are you still have to get tours under you to, for you to you know your name to hold water so when bleeding through book shows it's 50 50 for me if i'm going to be around and even if i say yes it can still change and light the torches priority when it comes to dropping everything and leaving um we've got like i said we've, we've got the We've got a show with uh, Hatebreed coming up in San Diego. Uh, we just got uh, Music, which is a big tattoo festival out here. Um, I've always wanted to play that thing, and uh, we got it. But, I mean, it's far enough away that I don't know if I'll be around. So it's definitely a juggle. It, it It's 
kind of a bummer when I know I'm not going to be around for one. They, you know, they, it works out, they get a fill in and everything's cool, but it's like, it's so strange to not play with them when they play a show. So you would say the light, the torch is, um, is priority, like almost like the, the, the pet project. Um, you can imagine too, you know, um, if you started playing, you know, and touring 15 years ago, what that looks like now versus then, I mean, I would assume just being an adult in general um, plays a huge factor in that for you. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. It's it's hard it's hard to juggle, you know, your personal life. I mean, even when we were younger, it was, it was extremely hard to, to juggle your personal life with band life, and I was on tour more than I was ever home. In my 20s, I was practically never home. There was a there was a period of time we're playing through in the first, I want to say like 10, 11 years. I think the longest we were ever home was like two months, like in it. Yeah. Together, which when you're young and you're all about it, that's what you want to do. You definitely kind of, you get burnt out from time to time, but there was a period where playing through, we kind of felt a, a little burnout, but, we, you, know, you catch a second wind and, you know, you, you do another record and things pick up again. There's always a, a high and a low of everything. And it's the, now, nowadays it's, I, you know, I, I still enjoy touring personally. So bleeding through won't tour. We're, we're not going to do tours. We might do a week somewhere, maybe. Um, but for the most part, we've all kind of, individually moved on have families um we have careers and stuff like that i've personally chosen to do the music thing full-time still so whenever there's a show bleeding through if i'm home i'm there um but light the torch is now priority so if it works out it works out if not you know it, it's kind of a bummer You know, it was kind of funny. You you're talking a little bit about uh, I, won't, I don't know if oversaturation is the word I want to use, but just kind of the burnout of things. Something that you know, kind of in preparing for this conversation, that I was thinking back. You know, just kind of looking at the year bleeding through had this past year. It seemed like, and you know, I know partially I am responsible for this as well. Um, you know, Brandon did a, a really good job of fielding a lot of press inquiries uh, leading up to the the album coming out. And as such, seemingly almost every interview he did, uh, you ended up seeing online. And so I kind of wanted to know, since I, not that I can, I'm aware of, was any other band member involved in any of the press? But, you know, when you constantly see this, are you just kind of like, oh, man, are, are kids going to be like, dude, I'm so over bleeding through right now. Like, I don't give a fuck when this record comes out. Like, I'm just not even going <laughs> to listen to it because I'm like, I see every other day, like bleeding through front man, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, the record, like it almost kind of gets lost in the shuffle of everything. So I was kind of wondering, like, is it one of those things where you're like, I know we need to do press and I, you know, I'm not obviously going to make, you know. I can't tell Brandon what to or what not to say or anything like that. But when you just kind of constantly see all these things coming out, leading up to a record dropping, are you just like, man, I really hope this doesn't like bite us in the ass. Yeah. I mean, there's now with the way social media is and everyone's got a computer in their pocket where they can go online whenever they want. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you surf the web long enough, you're 
you're practically going to reach the end of the internet. Some kids do, you know, they, <laughs> they start at A and they look at shit all day long and they got that thing in their face. So you can, you can get too much of one thing pretty easy if you look for it. Right. And if you're in the, the music world, it's all about who has a record coming out. As long as you're popular and your name is known, there's going to be a lot of it out there. And when it comes to the interview stuff, you know, we'll, we'll get stuff that's specifically geared towards, you know, for me, like a bass player or some type of stuff with singing, you know, and then there's going to be interviews that are mainly, you know, for a front man. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I really think one way or other about all, all the press and everything, it's kind of doing its own thing and being that light the torch is a priority for me. It's, it's kind of nice not having to on a day to day worry about what's going on bleeding through it kind of Brandon does a really good job of running stuff and hitting us up, you know, getting offers with our booking agency and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, I don't have to think about it every single day and the band was around for so long that we get, we get show offers and stuff like that. And it's, it's really just a matter of like, do we want to take it or not? So we're kind of in a, a pretty cool spot as a band, especially that, we're not a full-time touring band anymore. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say hobby because it's, it's definitely more than that. We, we care a lot and we want to play as much as we can, but also, you know, personal lives get in the way and good luck. You know, we're a six piece with light the torch. You know, we were, uh, you know, we've got four guys and, you know, we've got decision makers in the band and we don't really have to talk to a whole lot of people to make decisions. So, with bleeding through trying to get six people scheduled to match up and almost everybody has kids. It's, it, it can get intense sometimes of just like shit isn't going to work out. It was <clears throat> today. I was uh, speaking of the internet and the, the deep hole that you can go into on it. Uh, I saw a article or a headline pop up uh, where Jason Bittner from, I, I wasn't say X, uh, Oh god, what's the band? Shadows Fall. Um, but I guess he's still in Shadows Fall. But he was making a comment that just said that basically, unfortunately, uh, maybe they overstayed their welcome and fans just stopped coming out to support them. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, before you guys did your your last bleeding through run, the final tour as it was at the time, and you know, it was just kind of thinking back to to that era of music and those bands and so forth and just kind of thinking about how you see these old photos and you have all these memories of when everyone like used to go going to these shows was a big event. Every time these bands came through, it was like, Oh, here are all of my friends and I'm seeing all these bands that I love. And it has a a very Mm -hmm. timestamp for everybody. But then adversely, you know, I was trying to put my finger on what ends up happening to where we stop going to these shows and supporting these bands that we supposedly love. And it kind of made me realize that, like, I could actually ask you that as someone who kind of potentially went through that firsthand. Like, what is it like to kind of be like, well, why the fuck all the, like, and even now where it's like, okay, where were you guys five years ago and why are you back? Like, what what has changed and made us suddenly now more valuable to you? Yeah, I, you know, and, and I can answer that question personally with my view towards it as a band member but also a fan of music and growing up going to shows because i'm i'm just like you guys i mean i know it's like tab you know it's stupid to say he's like oh, i'm just like you guys i just you know i'm just a normal guy and, you know it's like, like famous celebrity people say that bullshit i'm just like you one shoe at a time but uh it's 
I, you know, I grew up going to shows all through, you know, middle school and high school. And, and then I joined a band and I got the opportunity to join Bleeding Through, uh, I would say maybe at its infancy, at its touring infancy. I think I was, um, the, maybe the second tour they ever did. It was the first full U S that we did. And, you know, I was 20 years old and I was going to shows when I was home, when we were home from tour, you know, me and Brandon would go to shows together. Me, Brandon and Marta lived together for years. Okay. And, um, you know, it was, it was still music that we loved and we would still go to shows. And now, you know, for doing so many years, I don't, I don't go to shows anymore. You know, I, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a venue for my job every day. Yeah. So when I'm home, I want to relax and I want to do my own thing. And I've got a lot of hobbies. I have way too many hobbies. <laughs> and those kids that came to the show when, when, you know, they, they grow up, people start going off to college, people get jobs, people fall out of interest of music. You know, I like everything from classic rock to country. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as it's got something in there. I like I'm you know, I'm willing to listen to it and I may go see, some bigger bands like, um, you know, I saw Roger Waters and that was insane. You know, that's like concert status. That's like shit that right. I didn't see when I was younger. Couldn't afford the shows and stuff like that, but I'll still go see that kind of stuff. But life, I mean, once you hit your mid twenties, people start getting a little serious with their lives and what they want to do career wise. And going to shows isn't really a priority, especially on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Even if it's your favorite band, you know, you're just like, well, shit, I got to get up at 5 a.m. for work. So realistically, or, you know, oh, I just bought a car. I can't be just spending money. I got to save. So that directly affects it. And then when you go on hiatus and you come back, the nostalgia of the first couple shows, people are like, holy shit, you know, this reminds me of my 20s. I'm going to go. And they see it once or twice. And they're like, okay, I'm good. You know, you know, everyone does that kind of thing. So it's, I don't know. It's just like the kind of natural progression of growing up and your your uh, priorities changing. I don't I don't blame it on anybody. It's just that's the way life is. Definitely. It's so funny too talking about all this stuff about like what we were doing in our twenties. It's like I remember, you know, as far as the internet goes, you know, fifteen, twenty years ago, part of the reason why I went to shows was because like the only thing I may have heard of a band before being able to get the CD or whatever was like something like mp3.com where you spend like <laughs> 25 minutes downloading a song <laughs> and like, you're never going to, but you're never going to hear everything that that site has to offer. So like, I remember back then, like I remember the first time I heard bleeding through, you know, or Atreyu or Norma Jean or any of those bands, you know, um, was on mp3.com and it maybe was like one or two songs. And then, you know, mm-hmm. like my mom had to use the phone or something, you know, <laughs> and yeah. Di- but, good old dial up. It's oh, yeah. the phone, you get knocked off the internet. Oh man. Kids just don't understand the struggle. And then if, if you, if you had a job and you could afford it, you get your own line. <laughs> then you're, then, yeah. then, then you're online all the time. That's yeah. It like wasn't the, cool. I was not that's that the cool. equivalent of cell phones now. No, I think the, like, the coolest it ever got. Sorry to cut you off, Dan. Just because I made this reference the other day, and someone goes, "What the fuck is that?" The sidekick. Oh man, that was the best. <laughs> Bring that I back. Twenty nineteen. 
Oh, man. I was just explaining to my nephew the other day, um, you know, the dial-up. Yeah. And that the internet ran off the phone line, and he's just like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> you had to call you know, the internet? They, yeah. You know, kids, <laughs> kids have iPhones now in middle school. Yeah. I didn't have a cell phone period until I was 21. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want one. I didn't give a shit. You know, I, I like to go fishing, hunting, backpacking, camping, all the, the outdoor stuff where your phone doesn't going to work. It's not going to work anyways. Right. Right. And, you know, we, we were, we're all from the time of if we make plans and I say I'm going to be there and you don't show up, you're an asshole. Right. Now <laughs> it's like I'm wait, I'm waiting a half hour and all you can do is type on your phone. Where the fuck are you? Right. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry, man. I couldn't make it. Well, if that happened back then, you waited half hour and then you went home and you called them home. They didn't answer. And then you saw them at school the next day and you're like, what the fuck, man? You know, that's, <laughs> that's how it went. And we, and that's what we were used to. But people were way flakier nowadays because of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, one thing I did want to add, too, about the, uh, the, the shows and stuff like that is, you know, nowadays with bleeding through being back and everything before we were back to people you get back together play some shows do this and that and then when you do they're not there or they'll be like when are you gonna play san diego and we're like we did last week yeah yeah like they don't they don't pay attention so it's like for us you know they want us to come back and and they want a record they they get it but they don't realize that it takes time and effort on our part to take time out of our lives and do it. And it's like, it's, it's a bigger deal for us. But then when the record lands, like you can just buy it and listen to it and be like, Oh, okay, I'm good. But it's like, well, we started going to the rehearsal studio or going to record, you know, after work late night at the studio and stuff like that. And then, you know, people, you know, we'll play shows and they're, Oh, you know, I'm such a big bleeding through fan. And then they don't even know the records out. That's that's just the sign of the times. You can't blame anybody. There's just too much shit on the internet. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know when, you know, a ton of my friends are playing bands come through from touring back in, in the day and I don't pay attention. I got too much stuff going on. And then I find out that they played. I'm like, well, shit, you know, I haven't seen those dudes in forever. That would have been cool to go. But realistically, it was on a Tuesday night and I got to get up at 4 15 for work in the morning. Right. So I'm not going to go anyways. Right. It's, and, it's, you know, it, it's crazy. Times have just changed. And, you know, nowadays, too, if you want to see your favorite band live, you can just watch that on your phone. Like, I hate to say it, like, <laughs> you know, like what I, what I was saying about um, what I was saying about, you know, being on MP3.com. I maybe, you know, like we'll use Bleeding Through as an example, because why not? Um, let's say I downloaded two songs by Bleeding Through on MP3.com. Or, you know, even MySpace will go as far as that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I've only heard those two songs, and then I find out that the band is... I find out that the band is going to be playing in my town, and I go and see the band, you know, because it's my only chance to hear other songs, and then I buy the album from them whenever I'm... You know, whenever I go to the show. And, like, that's mm-hmm. why I think it worked so much better back then. Mm-hmm. Because you couldn't just like the day the album drops, I'm not listening to it on my phone on the way home from work. And oh, yeah. you know, if I want to see a band live, I can pull it up on YouTube on my phone. And then if I want to, and let's say I don't like like the band's new material or whatever, 
I can pull up a, a, a set list of them in their heyday playing, exactly, yeah. you know, and so like it's just so weird. And I think I think part of that is that like a lot of us older guys, like I mean, I don't know about you, but like I'm not gonna go to a show and potentially get punched in the face or you know kicked in the <laughs> teeth. Like when I was 19, it was I was all about it, you know. But like now, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, I don't yeah. know about that. I got to be able to smile at people at work in the morning. Yeah, you're like, man, I don't fight. That that shit hurts, man. Right. Like, I don't. I'm not angry like I was when I was a teenager. So yeah, you you, you think about you know you long day at work or whatever, and then you're like, am I really gonna go to a show and stand? around a bunch of sweaty people. I mean, God damn, I sound so old right now. It's like, just thinking about it makes my back hurt. I hear you. I went and saw, uh, I went and saw Cannibal Corpse like three or four weeks ago after work. And I remember it's so funny, dude, I sat down at a table and watched Cannibal Corpse play and like texted John the whole time. Like it was like, why did I even come up here <laughs> or spend oh the money? You know, you know, cause yeah, it's like, Oh, I, I love like... this band. I want to see him. But yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it was before Christmas, I couldn't sleep. You know, when you're young, you, just, you know Christmas is the next day, you can't sleep. I remember putting on Cannibal Corpse Dead Human Collection at like 2 o'clock in the morning, headphones, go to bed. Now I'm like, this shit would give me anxiety. Are you yeah. kidding me? Oh, I'm like, turn the sleep. lights off, don't talk. Like, no noise, like, pure dark, I need to sleep. It's time to change. Yeah. And then, Those dudes but, you are know, like that, way older than we are. <clears throat> Oh, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how Corpse Grinder does it, man. Head, I'm surprised that dude's head hasn't fallen off. Literally, I literally was watching him head bit, circle bang like that, and I was like, his head's gonna fall, it's gonna roll off, off the stage, mm-hmm. like. And I'm still thinking that as an adult, you know. <laughs> like, and yeah, and then you you got to think about it now with all the, uh, I, you know, I I started thinking about this kind of stuff, and it's just oh my, it just goes to show you how much older you are and the, and the way you think is that with all of the research with CTE and head trauma and stuff like that, you know, now they're saying like when you're a kid, you get hit in the head, a good hit in the head playing football once it may change something in the future for the, or for the rest of your life, but you'll never know because it happened so early in your childhood. And it's like, Ooh. man, those bands that like furiously headbang for a living, like there's got, that can't be good. Can't be good. You know how many times you headbang and your neck was just killing you the next day and you had a headache for two days? You oh, think yeah. about that kind of shit. I mean, you didn't think anything about it. And nowadays, you're just like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's funny you kind of talk about the, the differences of how you think of touring and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and something I definitely wanted to hit on with you, especially is uh, in like the tours, at least on these last few tours uh, that you did, you know, I know, like, you and Mike were pulling double and or triple duty, however you want to look at it, between, you know, teching for yourself, if we want to call it that, or, you know, basically loading up and loading out all your gear. But I know, at least on the mm-hmm. Guar tour that you did here, uh, you were the merch person, which I thought was funny, because yeah, when yeah. I walked by you, I was like, Wombie's doing merch. And then I was like, oh, man, that's a good way to, like, probably sell a bunch of shirts, because people are going to come up and, and be like, oh, shit. And then you'll be able to sell a T-shirt or a hoodie or whatever. And then it, <laughs> and then it was kind of funny because people were just like, "Oh, man, uh, yeah, can I get a blah 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 or whatever?" And then it took some people to be like, "Oh, wait, you were in the band. You were just playing." And I was like, "Don't you know who yeah. this is?" Like, 
And I feel like the the drastic or the contrast between doing something like you probably couldn't do that at a bleeding through show because you'd probably get bombarded. But it's funny that at a light the torch show, like there's just this sort of anonymity to it. But on the flip side of that, I, I think it's kind of really commendable to see you guys willing to take on extra responsibilities to make the tour work from a profit standpoint. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if we were a headlining band, just for the sake of saving my energy and like for me, I always have an like this past year I've been having an issue with my voice and you know getting sick or like losing my voice, something going on. I actually lost my voice on the Trivium tour for like a week, where I didn't even put a mic on the stage. I didn't even bother. Uh, that's how bad I lost it, and I had to put a sign on the merch table that says, "Please don't make me speak. My voice is shot." <laughs> And, you know, people still try to talk your ear off, and it's just like, oh, man. Like, Guilty of that. It's a Sorry. huge sign. Yeah, and, you know, whatever. And uh, But it's, you know, we're the, we're the support band. We're still new. There's a lot of people, you know. I don't ever expect anyone to recognize me from Bleeding Through. I don't ever expect anyone to recognize me, period. Just I play in a band. It's just what I do. But I am up on stage, so if we play and then I come to the merch table – some people be like, they're like, oh, I recognize your hat. You're wearing the hat. You were just on stage, and they're like, why are you doing merch? And I'm like, well, why, why not? You know, we're we're a support band. You know, we're not making the big money. And personally, I still like talking to people. And you, you know, it's kind of like keeping your ear to the ground in the music scene. You learn a lot of stuff, and you know, and you'd be lying to yourself if you say it wasn't flattering. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's cool to. to I'm 36 years old and people still care about what I do for a living. It's, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I don't take it for granted. And when it comes to everyone's got, you know, double duty on tour for the most part, you know, we got our guitar player was doing tour managing skill and you know, tour managing stuff on, you know, on one of the tours. And then, you know, Scuzz was doing it on one of the tours. Um, you know, some people don't really care to do merch. I don't, mind it you know if we're all going to take jobs out of a hat like i hope i get merch you know <laughs> so well, you know it it's not the end of the world i mean would i like to just be hanging out all evening and not doing anything yeah but also you get kind of bored so yeah. at least i'm out there and you know some the odd you know the occasional person will talk your ear off you know, can get old, but for the most part, people come up, they say hi, they buy something, they might recognize you, they might take a picture, you sign something, and then they go on their way and they go check out the other band, and that's that, and then it's not a big deal. Well, you know, the answer to that question, why are you doing merch? Well, you just be like, <laughs> buy all of it, and then we can hire a guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as people, that. Yeah, that. You know, people get such a, a twisted perception of touring and stuff like that they see you on stage and think that like that's what you do solely for a living you know i i still work when i'm at home once we start touring a lot i i won't but i'm not one to sit around so i work when i'm home and then on tour you could be sitting around or you could be doing something there are nights yeah that i'm really tired and i don't want to do it but for the most part it, it's something to do on tour and when the bands are playing anyways, no one's buying merch, so you can take off. And, you know, if the, next, the band next to you has a merch person, you just be like, hey, can you watch my stuff? I'm going to go, you know, grab something to eat, do whatever. It's not the end of the world. It's just, it's 
being in a being in a band is a job. It's a really fun job. It's it's a different type of hard work. It's not a physical labor hard work, but you invest a lot of time in it. You know, this is what I've been doing as my priority since I was nine. Well, shit, I've been playing a band since I was fifteen, and it's oh, that's always what I've wanted to do for a living, and still doing it. You know, there's whatever you got to do to do it, you do it. It's, you got to do merch, you got to do merch, do a tour manager, you know, you load your own gear until you're make for me personally. And I think a lot of people, until you're making good money where, you know, making the equivalent to a full-time job or more, like why are you going to pay someone else to do it when you could just save money and just do it yourself? Right. That's the key. You know, and it's funny too, looking at it from like a national perspective. I, I recently talked to the um, to the drummer of uh, Taproot whenever they were like really big, and he talked about he he wrote a book, and you know one of the things that he talked about was like we'd go on these tours, like these huge headlining tours, tour bus, tour manager, merch people, everything. Like it was a whole team. Like you know, it's almost like they owned a company that they ran. You know, it was so expensive or whatever. And he goes, it's really weird. He goes, once we started waning in popularity, when we'd go out on tour, we didn't go to his biggest shows. He's like, but we rented a trailer. You know, we rented a van and a trailer and we ran our own merch and we did all this stuff ourselves. And we actually ended up making more money (laughs) than we ever did as a headlining band. Oh, yeah. But I think that's something people don't really think about. No, they, they, they see the you on stage and they, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to be a full-time touring band, they, people follow you and they're like, Oh, you were in this city and this city and this city. And then you were home and then you were just on this tour and they, they see you on stage, but they, they don't, there's a lot of expenses. I mean, you're, you're paying for gas, which is way higher than it used to be. When I first started touring, you know, like prime example, uh, bleeding through his first time to Europe. Uh, we went on tour with uh, sick of it all and most precious blood and there were a couple thousand people a night it was it was big and it was really big for us back then especially being first time in europe but i think we were getting maybe like a hundred euro a night which got us to the next show for the most part right and that was just you know it's just like working minimum wage you're hoping that you put in your time and then it it works out and being being in a band is like playing the lottery or doing stocks you could put in a lot of time and a lot of money and you could lose your ass and you could, you could put in all this time and then it doesn't really work out and you hang it up. I know people have been trying to do music that haven't even been in bands. They just been trying to get their foot in the door and stuff like that. And, you know, it's the kind of, you kind of got to know people or if you have a band, you gotta be good. You have to put in the time and the effort when bleeding through first started touring it was just the six of us and a really small trailer that the gear barely fit in and we just drove and we would ask from the stage if you got a place if if anybody has a place for us to stay let us know and we would sleep on people's floors and god damn that was a fucking experience yeah i was gonna say was there anything like did you ever like wake up in the middle of the night and somebody was like watching you guys sleep or something like that had to happen at least once right Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the the thing that would really annoy us was uh, we'd call it the show after the show, 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you do be like, hey, uh, you can you can crash at my place. It's gonna be, you know, like I don't have beds, but like you're more than welcome to like use a spare room and like, or you know, sleeping bags on the floor or in the living room or whatever. I have a couple of roommates, but they're gone. And then they're like, we would go to their house, but then like five of their friends would come over and they'd be like hanging out, like wanting to like talk, and we're all like laying on the ground, like not not trying to be rude, but fuck off. I want to sleep, kind of. I just Obviously, played... we would never say that, but it's yeah. like, dude, like we got to get up at six thirty and drive six <laughs> hours, right, to get to the show, and we're gonna get there just in time to load in. And you ate Taco Bell, and that was it. And then you got to the venue, and if there were chips and salsa and peanut butter, I ate more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my twenties than I ever did <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> nice. I can't eat them. To, I can't eat them anymore because of this. They're just some low points in touring where. You know, the shows are really good, but you're just like, man, I've just been on this grind. And you're super thankful, but it's just like, if I have to eat chips and hummus one more time, <laughs> I'm going to kill somebody. Like, there's foods that I will smell that I just be like, oh, my God. Like curry for the longest time used to remind me of Europe. Uh-huh. And they were just like the venues. There'd be a lot of a lot of venues that would that would put you up room and board after the show. Upstairs would be like the apartment and you'd stay up there and they'd give you a meal ticket instead of a buyout. They'd give you a meal ticket, but the meal ticket, you would get a paper plate of white rice with overly boiled steamed vegetables. So they almost had no flavor and powdered yellow curry that was watered down next to nothing. And that's, that was the meal that you got. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. And I hated curry when I was younger. <laughs> and for the longest time when I would smell it, I would just, it would bring me back to those days where it's just like, Ooh, man. And I think everyone in bleeding through has a story like that about the first time we toured Europe and the long, long tours that we did in the States of just constant bullshit, like eating bullshit food and not enough sleep. And the sleep you got was on the bench seat of the van. I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's a different type of hard work. I'll choose the, the band stuff over, you know, jobs and labor work and stuff like that any day, but it's, 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 it's a different kind still of work. job. Exactly. Here's a fun. Okay. Oh, like what, what I want to say also, like I said, investing all of that time, like if you're not making enough money, you know, you're not, you're not investing into uh, a retirement fund. You're not like when you have a job, you, every check you get, your taxes are taken out, your social security. Uh, if you work for a job, like some of those kids that were like 22, 23, that got a great job right out of high school. I mean, they're paying into like a retirement fund. Like none of that is guaranteed when you're playing. When it comes down to it, bleeding through started from the bottom touring in a van, sleeping on people's floors by the time that we got to a tour bus, if you want to talk shit on us, go ahead. Not everyone's going to like your band. That's fine. And there are a lot of people who talk shit out of jealousy. There are people who just don't like, you can be a great band musically and, and like individual members, like they are a good musician. You can still not like their music. There's plenty of bands out there that I don't like. They're huge. They're big. There's plenty of bands like that. But if you do the work, you can go to bed at night, go on, you be like, you know what? Like when, when we got the, our first bus, OzFest 2004, when we went to bed, we're like, you know what? 
I feel like I earned this. If you right. want to talk shit that we're like tour bus band now and all this, like, dude, I slept on fucking kitty litter, man. Right. <laughs> like, we stayed at some people's houses that were fucking rank. We came home with no money. We came home in debt. You know, at the beginning of the tour, everyone emptied their pockets, put it in the cash box. We got to get to the first show. We got to get gas. The van broke down. That $400 you may have made for a month of tour, well, now you're not getting anything because you need a new radiator. Like, uh. that happened a couple times. Yeah, it, people don't think about this stuff. And it's just, that's how it is. And now with the GoFundMe and, you know, our, our equipment got stolen, you know, help us get new equipment, and then they get $30,000. I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, and that's, it's, times are different. And it's like, wow, man, I kind of wish we had that when we were younger. But if that kind of stuff happened, it's like, well, we we, we got to figure it out. You show up to the next show and you borrow everyone's equipment on stage. You just go, hey, can I use your amp? Can I use your bass? And that's, you know, it's fucking crazy. The internet has changed everything for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, and I think you can you can attest to this, is that there's really no quick path to success, like not true success. You know, yeah. um, I mean, every now and again you hear, you know, like, Every time you join a band, like when you were a teenager and you joined your first band, you know, th- there was always this dream of like, we're going to get discovered and we're going to go huge and we're going to, you know, do all this stuff. <laughs> and like, eventually, you know, everything's going to be okay and we're going to be rich or whatever. And like, I feel like there's way too many people in the world, especially with the internet now, where people think that like, all I have to do is record a decent sounding song in my basement and i'm gonna go you know forward to the success do you do you think that like you know there's a certain sense of like no you you literally have to get out there and work really hard as long as you can further than you think you can work you know in, in order to be successful yeah the way the way i've always looked at it is you know there's those kids out there and it was really frustrating when you were a band that was working from the bottom, working your ass out. And for years, it doesn't change. You do see an, an escalation of, you know, escalating people coming to your show, like your your attendance goes up and like, oh, okay, cool. And you, know, you put out another record, it's got a little bit more buzz. And then this band comes out of nowhere and they start playing shows and it's super popular and they got a Facebook. I mean, Facebook changed the internet for, for bands. You don't need a website anymore. Who the yeah. fuck has a website for a band? unless it's merch, merch, online merch sales and stuff like that. Right. But other than that, you just need a Facebook and an Instagram, you know, stuff like that. And these bands come up out of nowhere and it's one guy, like you said, in his basement and he writes a really good song. And then he finds a booking agency that's willing to work with him and he gets a tour and then he goes, Oh shit, I need a band. Yeah. And they've got this record out that this kid did. It sounds phenomenal. And it's like, you know, people don't demo anymore. They just do these records in their house and all done by one person. And then they get these offers and they blow up. But the problem with that is, is me personally, I believe, you know, it, you get big quick and you bypass all of the struggle. Well, you're not, you're not going to be on top for forever. You're going to plateau and then you're going to go down right. when you're a band. And then, you know, you, you get your tour bus on your first tour. 
when you can't afford a tour bus anymore and that's what you're used to and you go to a van and you realize how much hard work it really is, you go, oh shit, and you start getting bummed out and you don't want to do the van anymore or something happens. But when you're working at it, you go, you're working your way up and there's a slow incline and it feels like for bleeding through it, it allowed us to last 15 years. I don't think yeah. the only time you plateau is when your record's been out for two years, but then you go to write and that's the plateau is when you're MIA and people go, where are you? you? know, they don't understand that you're in the studio writing stuff. And then the record comes out and then you start to rise again. And then the record gets a couple of years old and then it plateaus. That's just the way it goes. But when you're a band, that was started by one person and did the record. They don't, they haven't had the struggle. So as soon as they plateau, they start getting uncomfortable and they get real nervous and they don't know what's going on and they didn't do any of the work before. So they don't know what to expect. And that's, that's, I've, I've seen it happen. You know, I'm sure we all know those bands out there that came out of nowhere and got big. And then well, you don't fucking hear about them anymore. <laughs> like well you know there's a ton of bands out there that still you know still play they were a big band but they'll still play in front of 300 people it doesn't matter just that's what happens uh on the Marilyn manson slayer tour that we did in 2008 mm-hmm. we were playing we were the opener don't get me wrong i don't think any of the fucking we weren't drawing thousands of people <laughs> we were the opening band right i know my place it was a fucking awesome opportunity it was that was like legit, like top level. Two we were in a van. Right. We were opening right. arenas, playing where you know like we played uh, this place in Canada. Where we played where fucking like our room was the locker room. It was a, a hockey a hockey arena. It's fucking crazy. Right. But we were the opener. It's fucking. It's it's gnarly. So many variables uh, that it just makes me wonder how anyone even does any of this shit or, you know, doesn't even have uh, jealousy or whatever factor in. When it's like, aren't mm-hmm. we all living off the thing that we wanted to do, which is tour the fucking world and play the music that we fucking wrote in some basement or whatever with our friends? Like, isn't this the dream? Shouldn't we all be, like, high-fiving each other, being like, fuck yeah, we're doing it? Yeah, I, it's it's kind of crazy the amount of shit talk that happens, and, you know, we're, you know, we're all guilty of it as I've gotten older, you know, I'm just like, you know what? Just, I don't, I don't like, I don't like your band, but you obviously tour for a living. So someone, a lot of people fucking like your band. It's not for everybody, but you're a musician. You're doing exactly what I want to do. And you may not like my band, but we're both doing what we want to do. And that's how I've always thought of it. And the older I get, the more and more appreciative of it. It's like, I don't care if you don't like it. I'm getting to do what I want to do. You get up and you work at target. It's not what you want to do. It's the <laughs> job you got. You have someone telling you what to do. You get paid minimum wage and you ask for a day off and they don't give it to you and you're mad. And then there's me waking up, getting to play my fucking fiddle around on a base for a living for the most part. And it's like, they're like your fucking band sucks like okay sounds good to me i'm gonna hit the beach and go surfing you (laughs) i'm gonna come by when i need khaki pants like it doesn't it doesn't matter and it's you know people 
will put themselves down. They're like, oh, you know, like, oh, your your band's cool, or you know, and they'll say they're like, well, what do you do? Like, oh, I just do this or whatever. And you're like, well, you know, it's just a job. Like, your job doesn't define you, you know. And chances are, you may make more money than I do. That doesn't matter, but you got to put it into perspective. It's just, it's another job. It's just, it's a creative, artistic job that I love. And there's a lot of people that don't get the opportunity. So when people talk shit, A, I never, ever read comments. The first time I ever read comments in a long ass time was when Bleeding Through was doing the new record and the, the teaser started going out. Like, I fucking laugh my ass off at the negative comments. It's fucking hilarious because I don't give a shit. Like, okay, well, I'm still going to go on tour. The show's still sold out because all the people <laughs> that really like the band are going to be there. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I know that there's a ton of people that are going to talk shit, but they're not at the show and they don't like the band anyways. And it's like, well, I'm still doing what I love and it doesn't matter. I don't know who you are and I'm not even going to read your comment. So you don't exist to me and I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to love doing it. So that's, that's the thing I've never really understand about the people talking shit on the internet. It's just like, the majority of that shit goes unheard. Like if you hear, I don't know if you guys listen to Joe Rogan podcast at all, but that dude all the time, he tells everybody, he's like, Oh, you know, they're like, Oh, I was reading the comments. And you know, people said, he's all, you don't read the comments. I'll (laughs) never read the comments. So it doesn't matter. He's like, are you happy doing what you're doing? Yeah. He's all, then that is all that matters. And that's how I try to live my life. Obviously, you're not going to please everybody, so why try? Please please the people, please yourself first, and then the fans, stay true to your fans. Change your sound a little bit if you want, but don't turn your back on your old fans. And just enjoy doing what you're doing. People are going to talk shit no matter what. Well, I think that's, wow. that's probably as good a place as any to uh, in this conversation. Uh, <laughs> wanted to say thanks again for coming on. Where can everyone follow you online, even though you've kind of already said you're not super active on anything? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. All you I do have, have a Twitter, there. actually. I found it. Oh, you know what? You're right. I do. But I, there's no the post. Last... There's literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy cyber stalker. Time, yeah. I think the last time I posted was 2013 something like that uh this so if you know no if, you, if you want to know what i was up to then go for it okay <laughs> must have been a big deal <laughs> yeah. but uh i have an instagram that's uh that's all he's on on tour i'm pretty active at home if i got stuff i paint i post all my uh my uh paint work and artwork and stuff like that the occasional hunting fishing backpacking photo but uh it's uh it's uh wombi underscore hell america where you can just type in my name and find it should pop up but uh i'm fairly active on there that's all that's the only social media i do just post this cell phone number john yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go if anybody has a question you know just call me here yeah you'd be surprised at how few people would actually call you might be surprised uh, at how many that. would <laughs> yeah that sounds yeah. like that sounds like a game a fun that. That sounds like go a on blabbermouth like you know basis of <laughs> oh man that would be too funny and just like comments it would be nothing but bullshit right no one that would want to talk just talk shit oh i would definitely leave a comment it's funny uh, you say yeah. that though someone so now 
Go ahead. Now, those voicemails I would listen to. There you go. Fucking hell. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks again for uh, taking the time to uh, do this, and hopefully it wasn't so bad. Yeah, man. No, no, not at all. So that was our conversation with Ryan Wambacher, a Bleeding Through and Light the Torch. Dan actually got to join me with and on that conversation, uh, something that I guess all of you Brutally Speaking listeners uh, are getting used to, which is not how it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the way I'd like for it to be from here on out, if possible. But, you know, I, I do work sometimes late into the night. so uh, Those street corners you know, aren't going to walk themselves. Right, but you know what, though? The Brutally Speaking audience is going to very soon get a taste of just me doing interviews and yeah. that's uh something i'm not super excited about i obviously i'd love to have john on every single one of them but like one of them i've got coming up i'm going to be up at like four o'clock in the morning talking to somebody across the planet you know across and, the planet uh, you mean the continents across the, the globe? continents i mean it's across the planet okay. you know you said works. planets isn't more than one <laughs> Oh, did I say, did I, did I pluralize it? Yes. Are you talking to Marvin the well, Martian? Or are you, you getting that inside scoop on the new Space Jam movie? Yeah, man. You know, it's, it's coming and you know, here's the thing, guys. Michael Jordan is not the hero of the sequel of Space Jam. It's going to be LeBron James. Probably, man. No, there's you no know, probably. You, it is. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to know more about the sequel to Space Jam, check out, uh, the Super Nintendo unofficial game, Barkley Shut Up and Jam. Gaiden. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. Google it. It's great. Anyway. Anyway, get out your game, Genie. Find a code for that. Um, but yeah, no, that was a it was a fun chat talking with Ryan and uh I really don't know where we were going before all that, how we got involved in that. Well, one thing I want to say, man, is like this chat was so casual and that those are my favorite types of chats to do on the podcast where we just get to sit back and just be like, dude, you remember what it was like when we were on mp3.com and we were checking out new bands for the first time? You know, it's the first time I heard of Treyu. It's the first time I heard Bleeding Through. First time I heard Norma Jean, Under Oath. And that was back when, like, under, dude, downloading an Under Oath mp3 was, like, ridiculous. Because, like, in 2000 or 2001, an Under Oath song was, like, what, eight minutes? Something like that. <laughs> so, like, that was a huge time investment. But uh, I, I definitely liked, you know, how we compared contrast the scene, you know, back in like 2002 versus now. Yeah. And how like back then, you know, we would hear a song or two by a band we like. We'd go see them live. We'd we'd buy the T-shirt. We'd buy the album there. And for a lot of us, that was like a first introduction. But now in 2019, it's kind of like, well. If I go to this show, I'm going to be out until like 11.45 at night. And then I got to fight traffic to get home. And I got to be up at 6, you know? And, like, that's the only thing that sucks about being an adult, really. Yeah. Well, maybe not the only thing, but one of the things. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I liked that we got his perspective on it. Um, I think it's really admirable that he's still doing music full time uh, when a lot of people in his age bracket are not doing that. And um, his age bracket, you mean ours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we're like what 75, 76 years old, something like that. Yeah, and I got my art the thing card. that I, the thing that I was really surprised by during this interview was, you know, when I asked him about priorities, I kind of assumed that like bleeding through was like the bigger priority, and he he really set me straight on that. It was like, no, dude, light the torches, 
is my priority. Like that's the band that we have to get off the ground. You know, bleeding through is not even doing full tours and light the torch. You know, we want to get there. We, we want to become the household name. Interested to see, see that band get to that level as well. And, you know, how great would that be? You have two bands, one that's kind of part-time and one that's full-time, and they're both, you know, equally at, at the same level after, you know, working more to, to get it there. Yeah, and I definitely liked all of the uh, all of the talk about, you know, just like what it's like. Like, dude, we are still trying to hit that level. And I think a lot of people maybe don't know that when they're going into something like that, light the torch, they're thinking like, we're still trying to make it as a band. And I think a lot of people assume that like, oh, well, you got Howard Jones in the band. That's not going to be enough a lot of the time for people. Not that Howard's not like an amazing vocalist, you know, like that's, I can't understate that, you know, like that he's, he's obviously incredible, but it's one of those things where in 2019, it's a lot harder to pull a crowd than it was before. And, you know, to hear that, like, yeah, you know, we, we basically draw straws, you know, for who's going to do what. <laughs> but, like, but like that's real, and I, I enjoy that, you know, that, you know, sometimes you just have to suffer a little bit for good music. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of stories of, uh, I wouldn't say suffering for your, your craft, but I think some of those stories of, uh, you know, sleeping on people's floors and so forth. Uh, what have you been drinking this week? Oh man, well, uh, mainly it's just been space dust, and I know that's like a common thing with me, but like so if you haven't ever heard me, away? yeah, I mean if you if you've never heard me talk about space dust, um, let me talk about it. Uh, it's a uh, it, it's an American IPA, which you know doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why is it an IPA instead of an APA, right? But uh, you know, Elysian space dust. Elysian was kind of an independent kind of craft brewery. Um, the very first beer I ever had from them was uh, a beer called the Immortal IPA. And it was great. It, it was like a, a picture of Zeus's hand with a thunderbolt. And I thought that was really good. But like pretty shortly after that, they released an IPA called Space Dust. And it's absolutely probably the best IPA that you can buy at like a grocery store or something like that, like without having to go to some like specialty um, place. And what I like about it is it's 8%. So like if, if you're only here for Godzilla, you know, like it gets the job done for you pretty quick. Um, but if you're just wanting to drink a casual beer, you know, with your dinner or whatever, you know, don't drink more than like two of them <laughs> or you're going to be, you know, like in a situation where if you're away from home, you kind of have to stay there for a while. <laughs> and, um, but space dust is really cool. Actually, Elysian did get bought out by Anheuser-Busch. So like, I don't want there to be any, any deception there about like, you know, uh, whether it's owned by a major corporation it absolutely is. But like, for me, the, the recipe never changed. So, um, this is an extremely hoppy, somewhat bitter ipa it's a little bitter but it's it's got like a little bit of like fruity like citrus taste to it and i just love the way i love how smooth it is for an ipa a lot of ipas you have to kind of be in the mood for and space dust really um for me is a really good all-around beer and i don't know if that's like a 
if that's like an indication of how far gone I am <laughs> uh, as a beer drinker, but I I really enjoy the taste. I like how extreme it is, but it's also like really budget. You can get a six pack for like eight bucks, you know, and um, it's one of the better beers that I drink, and it is probably my go-to. Like if I'm you want to drink a beer and I'm not sure what I want to have, I'm going to always reach for the Space Dust first. And it's absolutely one of the best IPAs you could buy, like at a grocery store or a gas station or something like that. Um, because, you know, before this came to the market, you're pretty much limited to like what, like Bud Light, Bud Select, some Miller, you know, like Miller High Life, Miller Light, that sort of stuff, Stag. And so it's really nice going into a gas station and being like, okay, these guys get it. They've got the space dust, and we're good to go. Yeah, I've been uh, sick the last uh, handful of days and just kind of had a sicky household and so forth. But uh, New Year's Day, uh, the wife and I went out to Founders. And instead of just getting one of the beers that I like, which is most of them, kind of decided to do a flight because they had a lot of new beers on tap that I've never had. Uh, so if you go to our Instagram page, BrewSpeakPod, uh, you can see a photo of the beers that I had, which were mostly dark beers, and then the light beers that my wife had. And I'll just kind of quickly talk about the four that I had. Uh, so to start off, I had the Shika Dance. It's a 6.6% uh, beer. Um, but basically, it's a robust mocha porter brewed with cinnamon, uh, lightly burnt malt character, and a dark chocolate nose, finished with a dash of cinnamon that will make you shick a dance in your pants. Uh, the other one I tried was a uh, Diamond After Dark. Uh, it is a Imperial Milk Stout made with 50 pounds of coconut, which is kind of what intrigued me about it. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that sounds great. A bit of toasted coconut and a touch of vanilla were added at the end for a truly delicious dark beer, dark beer experience. Uh, the other one I had was uh, the was an ale. It was the Ginger Patch Ale. It's a 6.1%. Uh, it's a pale ale aged with cracked ginger, which uh, you don't see a lot of cracked ginger being put into anything. It was pretty good. The ginger wasn't quite as pronounced as uh, maybe I would have wanted it, but it was still pretty solid. And then uh, one of the last ones I went to did was a Nitro Frangelico Stout. Um, it was a hazelnut oatmeal stout and uh i gotta say the frangelico flavor of it was pretty solid um i'm not sure i'm sorry frangelic i'm not sure a lot of people would maybe do that but you know with the coffees kind of makes sense well if you don't want to be like dan and be left in the dark head over to metalnexus.net for all your news and reviews of metal bands metal going ons uh you know, something I like about their website and following them on Facebook is actually the, you know, on this day, this happened uh, in Metal News. And there's always some things that, like, I, I forget happened or that, you know, just events that I thought happened at a different time. And then I realize I'm not, I guess I'm not as metal as I thought I was because I didn't remember that. That's okay. We can't all be super metal all the time. Dan can. Maybe. <laughs> More so than me. <laughs> I listened to I listened to Incubus's science like all day while I was working. So I mean I'm not like that metal. Maybe I'm more of like a closet funk fan. Uh, well, and if you want to keep up with MetalNexus.net on all the socials, you can find us on Facebook at MetalNexus, uh, one word, just at MetalNexus. On Twitter, you can find us at Metal underscore Nexus. And on Instagram, you can find Metal Nexus at Metal.Nexus. We're all over the place. You know, I mean, if you're feeling adventurous, go on Pornhub.com slash Metal Nexus. Something will come up. I don't know what, but something will come up. <laughs> and uh, maybe you'll come up. But uh, 
you can also find everything you need to know about Metal Nexus at metalnexus.net. And uh, you can follow John at... Where can we find you online, John? You can find me under my new handles on Instagram and Twitter at jbeatty616. Real original, I know. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And uh, you can even send me an old-fashioned email if you want to. Uh, you just send that to uh, DanielJosephTerry at gmail.com. And uh, you know what? If you want to find out more about Brutally Speaking, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BrewSpeakPod very easily. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And if you would like to follow our show sponsor, that's right, the show sponsor is the Bean Bastard. They keep us oh-so-caffeinated with their delicious uh, beans aplenty. Oh, I'm working on getting some more. We're actually going to be doing a, a giveaway here pretty soon. Send um, it over. Give it away to me. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, if you'd like to keep up with our show, our show sponsor, you can find the Bean Bastard at thebeanbastard.com. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at the Bean Bastard. So for the brutally speaking podcast, I'm John and I'm Dan. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for drinking with me.